Welcome to this week's episode of The Listening Party with I, Adam, and he, Mike. We're men of no consequence, that much we can guarantee, and that remains a guarantee for the duration of the broadcast, which week we take it in turns to bring a record to that we'll play and listen to and discuss and, hey, hopefully have a little fun along the way. Sometimes we have guests, which, you know, admittedly tend to be people that we went to university with, but... Realistically, it's him and me, and we're doing what we used to do in pubs, but that's no longer an option. So, Mike, how are you? Nicely done. That's that nice. You can do it in the future. You're much, you're much more clearer than I. You enunciate better. But yeah, no, to answer your question. First point, yes, I'm, I'm fine, Adam. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for asking. I'm particularly excited. <laughs> that remains fine. After listening to it, absolutely fine. I'm particularly pumped because of the album you brought to the party this week. Now, you, if I may, you were sneery about the album that I've chosen. I, you, I I'd say that you poo-pooed it. I wasn't sneery about the album. And in front album. of a I guest, was... Michael. In front of a guest. I know. I shouldn't we have keep shown our my hand. But indoors. <laughs> I know. I do apologise about that. I, I, I showed us up in front in front of company as you say uh no i wasn't sneery about the album itself i sneery of your choice of it because <laughs> frankly oh another bloody 80s album from adam is it oh god but no i i and i don't want you dear listener to think that was any reflection of my thoughts oh, on abc the lexicon of love when we began this endeavor that my thoughts as ever turned towards the past specifically <laughs> the 60s 70s and 80s and some of the bigger records that uh, I've, I've wanted to discuss tend to be from the later end of that 30-year period, apart from the, well, uh, just a quite an obscure band from Liverpool. Um, you'll be delighted, as I said, the Beatles thing that I'm currently experiencing is, is, is heavy and profound, and it, it makes previous phases like Genesis look, look small and weedy. Oh. <laughs> Carlin, you've been banging it about Genesis for about yeah, 18 yeah. months it's, now. It's, it's mega. But what I find utterly delightful is in every single one of these books, and in every single one of these audiobooks and podcasts that I've been trawling through, the word Liverpool is so... Well, it's included in most sentences, but often totally superfluously. It's a joy to listen to. <laughs> what do I know? You know, I'm from Liverpool. That bears no relation to what they've just been talking about. And that Never stops being funny. <laughs> Even when you're going, oh my God, really? Oh, from Liverpool, yeah. Oh. yeah. Uh, um, I'm currently reading Brian Eno's diaries and I've reached the appendices now. A year with now. swollen appendices. Yes, and I'm at said appendices. The appendices are not as interesting as the diary. Because a lot of it's just his essays and musings on things, which although Eno is an intelligent person and has a lot of thoughts about a lot of things, it's too many thoughts about too many things, Adam. Just like, yeah. God, you've got have an opinion about everything, don't you? Brian, a little learning likely. <laughs> you don't you don't need to have to do this. Everybody knows that you're bright. 
Oh, it's abundantly clear. And, and seems to have uh, quite a thing for pornography, given his diaries. Um, well, he was he was a, a, a legendary swordsman. So <laughs> uh, he never, from what I've read of the limited, I know he never really did uh, drink or drugs in the way that you know a lot of artists from the period will have done. Mm. But my God, did he really, really, really like having sex with people and, and putting uh, it in machines and putting it in machines? Beep, boop, boop, boop. I mean, he, he did with your mum's mate, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pa- apparently, this is apocryphal, don't know, but my mum went to see uh, Roxy open at, I think it was oh, a rainbow. So uh, yeah, and at uh, one point, Eno pointed to my mum's friend, uh, basically, to say, come back stage. Look at, look um, at my etchings. Look, look, look at some etchings. Um, uh, my mum's friend Judy left her uh, to go backstage. And uh... what I love about that is the detail that your mum was holding her coat. Yes, yeah, I forgot <laughs> about that part. Yes, oldest. As you go, on. comes back fifteen minutes later. Coat, uh, clothes awry, makeup smeared. What, Jen? Oh, just, me and Brian were just having a fan, fantastic look at the ebb and flow of a dance floor. <laughs> Throw back to previous joke from Bowie series. I really love the fact that your mum's brush with greatness was so seedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she cruelly left out of the diaries. Cruelly, cruelly left out. <laughs> May 17th, 1995. <laughs> Just remembered that bit of sword I had at the Rainbow Theatre that night in the 70s. I remember she had an extraordinarily plain friend who I wanted absolutely no part of. <laughs> Sorry, Mum, if you're listening. Good God. <laughs> so, this topic of my mum holding coats in the 70s brings us nicely into ABC's The Lexicon of Love. Which... Uh, I mean, I would say, listening to it since obviously we raised it in the last part, it is, I think, very, very close to being like a perfect record. There are songs on it that aren't as good as others. And I think it suffers greatly from, if you listen to it on, on record, the first side is better than the second side. But as a as a piece, it's it's brilliant. It's really a great album. And I, I was what the reason I say that, I mean I picked it, of course I think it's great, but I was I've been reminded anew of its greatness. Like I was listening, I I knew I loved it, and then I put it on and was going within seconds just thinking, this is absolutely fucking brilliant. <laughs> I have to say, because um, I've, yeah, I've listened to Sam many times over the years, and I've always liked it. But yeah, listening to it the last couple of weeks, knowing what we were having it at the party, yeah, I agree. It's very hard not to just listen to it and go, "Fucking hell, that's a good pop album, isn't it?" Yeah, it's a great pop album. This is it the is. only one in the whole of all the records we've done so far. This is the only one where you were moved to say to message me saying, "Gotta say." I am enjoying the fuck out of the lexicon of love. Yeah, I, it really put uh, it re- brightened my days last week. It doesn't I had it on. It's springing your step as well. It does. It's just such a cheery album. 
Um, Which, considering he's banging on about heartbreak endlessly, is is extraordinary. It's the most joyful album about heartbreak you've probably ever made. But um, yeah, off the back of then enjoying Lexicon of Love and doing the readings, I I discovered... I mean, lots of people kept a secret from me, but they made a Lexicon of Love 2 in 2016. And I duly gave it a listen. It's not very good, Adam. <laughs> it's, it's not good at all. It's, it's basically a, a middle-aged man who's just lost his touch to write. It's, you know, sometimes like older writers just mature with age and they just write beautifully in there. You can just hear the evolution of their style. Mm. Other ones seem to digress and just literally go to uh, rhyming town and just like, <laughs> hey, my bun, we can run to a have fun. It, yeah, it's got, it's that level of, there's a song called I'm, I'm the singer, not the song. And that's just repeated in the chorus. I'm the singer, not the song, the singer. And you just, what? absolute fucking horrific dreck is this well it didn't do it didn't do good business did it i mean i didn't even know existed they did not um they had i think they had a couple of like hit a couple of hits Mm. that were off this album as in not on the album uh but not a lot like this was easily the most successful thing in their career by a country mile when Smokey sings is not as good as anything on the lexicon. Mm-hmm. Thing about it is, is they. I think off the top of my head, there was. I think there were two or three, maybe four singles. Uh, Poison Arrow, Tears Are Not Enough, Look of Love Part Two, mm. and possibly they released Valentine's Day, but I don't know. I can't remember. But I would argue that, vir- or maybe it was all of my heart. I don't know. But virtually any song on this. Could have been a hit. Oh, yeah. The whole thing is, you know, when um, people, well, people like us, frankly, bang on about the production of an album. Mm. On this occasion, that is justified. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because absolutely. you can you can hear that Horn is, is all over it. I believe, mm. and this is a tiny amount of context... That most oh, of these songs sort of existed already, but they and they brought them to Trevor Horn, and well, Martin Fry brought them to Trevor Horn and said, um, and Horn said, I don't know where he's from, so there'll be no accent. Um, I don't know. I oh, this sounds great. You sound really sort of rough and ready. It's good, yeah. When, yes, but we don't want to sound rough and ready, Trevor. We want to sound crisp, and they do now. I think they recorded. Mm. From what I've read, every song, like, again, but, like, almost playing along with themselves. They had a guide track, and they had to go and, like, match it note for note. And they did it again and again and again until you've got this perfect pop album. I don't think we even need to give it the disclaimer pop album. Yeah, it's a pop record, but it's just a great record. It is. Yeah, it is. And I was amazed it was their debut album as well. Yeah, their debut and also this one song. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> creatively, yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, just nothing, nothing ever could, nothing could reach these heights again. No, and it, it was in the charts for fifty weeks when it first came out, so it was like a nearly whole year in the, the UK. I remember charts. that this is in like 
the early 80s when that really fucking matters. Yeah, <laughs> that means it actually something. Meant something. Yeah, yeah. And when, when they when say, but when they say when platinum, then they really mean like yeah. platinum. Yeah, not I'm what platinum remember... is now, which I think is like 200 copies. <laughs> I'm being <laughs> old and fatuous. You are, dear. Uh, yeah, going to number one in the UK, Finland, and New Zealand. Ah, New Zealand. Yeah, so the band at this point, you've got Martin Fry on lead vocals. Uh, and Martin Fry is the only member who is still with ABC to this day. Yeah, increasingly, like when you say ABC, you mean Martin Fry. Yeah. No disrespect to the band because they sound electrifying on this, but, but really, you mean Martin Fry, don't you? Well, it sounds like as well that the main potentially, uh, well, musically the core was Mark White on guitars and Stephen Singleton, who was on sax and alto sax. Was it David Palmer? Because David Palmer's the drummer and the programming. I know, I'm trying to remember because two of them started off in a synth band called Vice Versa. Yeah, it wasn't Martin Fry working for like the music press. Something like that, yeah. They they met. I think Martin Fry was singing solo, and then they met and formed. He joined Vice Versa for a bit, and then they rebranded as ABC. But yeah, um, Vice Versa have now they've started uh, working again as the duo. Vice Versa, so they uh, put their, all the eggs in that basket as opposed to the well, ABC the gravy train. You would hope that they've. Uh... They made a small fortune out of this this record anyway. So, so. Let, let, let them do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. yeah. It was, mean, look at uh, Blood and Poison Arrow still get radio play and MTV play anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it was Mark White and Stephen Singleton who gone back as vice versa. Apparently, <laughs> vice versa considered one of the big four of the late 1970s minimalistic electronic synth bands from Sheffield. Wow. So Along with... Cabaret, Voltaire, Clock D, VA, and Human League. Up in yeah. that galaxy. That, I would say, in terms, of, in terms of a big four there, <laughs> there's a definite hierarchy, isn't there? Yeah, and it's, it's quite a niche big four as well. It's not you like know, you've got Slayer, Metallica. You've got one band that is, I would say is undeniably even bigger than ABC. Mm. Uh, you've also got Cabaret, Voltaire, and then you've got another band whose name I've already forgotten. <laughs> And I shan't remind you. <laughs> I shan't be looking it up. <laughs> yeah, so... Was Heaven what, 17 not in the, the big four? No, they're probably not from Sheffield. They are. Well, they're not as big as that band, which name I shouldn't be mentioning again. <laughs> we shan't be mentioning again. No, I'm convinced that Heaven 17 were at least partially. Were they, were they because, oh, yeah, no. Heaven 17 were... Yes, they were formed out of the ashes of the Human League. There you go. Yeah, they split up because um, Phil Oakey was the singer and he got to keep the haircut and the name and then the rest of them left and formed Heaven 17 and that's when he went and got those the two women involved and then released Dare, I think. Um, and whereas Heaven 17 didn't release Dare. They did not release Dare. And, which is why possibly why the lead singer of Heaven 17 is now on tour with Holy Holy singing Bowie songs. And Phil Oakey is still in the Human League. But admittedly, they're only day tour university art centres. And I know this because the Human League are the band I've seen live the most. <laughs> How many times I, have you seen them? 
I must have seen the Human League live something like five or six times. Um, and always good. Always at a university art centre or very small theatre. Uh, always, always fun. I've never uh, seen them. Oh, a good show. Um, and the audience... You know how when I went to see Holy Holy, there were an awful lot of sort of quite overweight men with two small band T-shirts tucked into their jogging bottoms? Oh, like Killing Joke was for me. Yeah, that that criticism cannot be laid at the door of a human league audience. Many, many more women there for a start. That's always a positive. Yeah. Uh, secondly, a lot of people, more people have made an effort and everybody there to dance and have a nice time. Really positive evenings. Holy, holy, they were brilliant. The audience, I found lacklustre. <laughs> Did you tell them? Well, I made them line up and then I gave them all a dressing down. <laughs> yeah, another thing that made me uh, chuckle, though, it, it, the intention of Lexicon of Love that Martin Fry said it was, it was their attempt to fuse disco and yeah. punk. Yeah, and I will say he's failed in that endeavour. I mean, it's, it's certainly... the. the the scales are tipping to one side more than the other. I have read, though, other interviews uh, where he said that it was an attempt to fuse um, and he hasn't he either hasn't said punk or he's sort of qualified it and said the um, the energy and the theatricality of punk, which is slightly more successful. Mm. But one simply cannot imagine Martin Fry swearing on the... Was it Bill Grundy show? <laughs> Bottoms! <laughs> In a soft Sheffield accent. Yes, and it was an attempt to hark back to Cole Porter and his ilk, but in a very modern way. So really going for that punk vibe yeah. of Cole Porter. Punk's bloody love Cole Porter. The oh, thing yeah. is, that is a genuine... Like that's a statement I can do business with because I think that's sort of what he's doing, no, and I, I also think it's quite successful. I'm on board with that one more. Yeah, yeah. yeah and the title came from a live uh, review in the NME, which yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a great title. It is so well done that writer, and I hope they gave him some compensation. I also really like the fact that they took that title for their live album and just called it the Lexicon of Live, which is. <laughs> If you've got a formula, I mean, and let's be fair, any live album that they release is going to be largely drawn from this record. I would bloody hope so. I'd be furious if I went to see them live. I mean, you, I mean, you'd probably be sat there going, don't bother with the theme from Man Trap. No, no. There's no need. Yes, and most of the production team on this that Trevor Horn assembled would become the in-house uh, crew for Horn's ZTT Records. Keeping them all in business for many years, so yeah, primarily well, the 80s. Let's be fair. If you, and I know I mentioned, I texted this to you a lot, but Brad Lang, I think, is on bass. Brad Lang. Brad Lang. Brad Lang, in particular, this, this, could, this could just be your business card if you were a bassist. Just hand over a copy of the lexicon going, you'll find out. <laughs> I agree, but I also think one of the unsung heroes of this is Stephen Singleton's uh, sax work, because every song, you just got some shit-hot saxophone, but just quite low in the mix, just echoing away as though he's just forever playing it on a rooftop somewhere. 
All right. Well, I mean, I think, is it fair to say that we both really like the whole record, really? Yes. Yeah. In which case, rather than just start, what, what would you, if you were just putting it on and you weren't, you don't, you don't necessarily have to play at the beginning, where would, uh-huh. you, where would you begin? Poison Arrow. Really? You'd start with Poison Arrow? Yeah. Ah. I, lo- I love Poison Arrow. <laughs> oh, rightly so. It's terrific. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's when when I went back and listened to it the last week, I found myself after I listened to the whole album, I went and just listened to Poison Arrow and repeat that five times. It's just so much so much fun, Adam. Yes, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Who broke my heart? You did. You did. Yeah, the call and response lyrics are a joy. Mm. Would you know just what to do or where to keep it? <laughs> it's so it just it just cascades and falls and descends and has these high bits and then just yeah it's just it's all over the shop. See, with the call me, and response. And the... Uh, I think the one that I really really like is well I love again all of it but show me the way that it starts with the sweeping show me, because show. it's it's the um, it, it's basically the whole. Uh, if you enjoy sweeping strings leading to some dynamite bass work, then you're going to enjoy the rest of this album and you're in safe hands. I do, I really do. I, I love that. Yeah, the way Show Me opens that lush orchestral. just And it goes on for about a good solid yeah. minute before there's any in, in way of uh, rock instruments. Yeah, I love I love like the, 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 the gated drum sound effect, you know, kind of Phil Collins, very flat yeah, sound. Yeah. Uh, do yeah, the, yeah. This, it's got electric piano. You got funky bass. The, there are times on this album it sounds very chic and Nile Rodgers. Oh, definitely, yeah. And but they're using songs. Brad Lang's bass is a lead instrument on most of the songs. Mm. Like it just it pops out of the stereo. I was I know it's a, a sort of tiresome thing, but I was listening to it on CD and I was listening to it on download, and then I listened. I slapped on the LP, mm. and it almost sounds. It sounded quicker, and it sounded well. I mean, it always sounds warmer, doesn't it? But God in heaven, it 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 begs for you, begs for you to play it on some big speakers mm. because there's so many. They there is such depth to the whole album. It is it's so layered. It must it have is. taken forever to make. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. There's a absolute wall of sound quality to it and the, the yeah. forensic listening that must have been involved to try because there isn't a note out of place there's no rough and ready no. edges at all it's like dynamic caramel it's that sort of exciting but also <laughs> slick yeah it's just listening to show me and just going through like i can hear that i can hear that you know, i can hear the drum i can hear the electric piano i can hear the bass i can hear the, the orchestra i can hear his voice it's just it's so much going on and just yeah. it's so much like, built I, up. I love the way that it's like well you know how in the the cover like the inner sleeve is like a just a red vel a red velvet curtain mm. because the front is clearly him on a martin fry on stage with a woman a woman swooning the rest of the band are just sat at the back in overalls Sort of foreshadowing what would happen to NBC. <laughs> That's quite <laughs> very prophetic. The that show me then it's like the you've got the overture and then the drawing back of a curtain because mm. you are you're about to listen to well you're about to listen to one man wibble on about love but in an exciting way wibble wibble 
I mean, you can say Cabaret Voltaire all you like. I've listened to a bit of theirs. I'd rather listen to this. Oh, God, yeah. I'd rather listen to this than that other band who shan't be named. But, I mean, Michael, got, we don't name them. It's absolutely essential. You've got such lines as a sunken ship with rich cargo. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of really, really lovely, sort of almost archaic lyrics as well. Mm. With a rich cargo. It's, yeah, it's, it's and then I believe um, he talks about where the four winds blow. I think he does. Wind and rain, it only goes to show me, show me. God, I love show me. <laughs> It's, it's, it's definitely like a bit of that Cole Porter, Neil, Noel Coward vibe going on. With some yeah, yeah, like a, a, a really cinematic and 80s sounding Cole Porter. Mm. No bad thing. Oh, no, absolutely not. Yeah, and I, and at the end of Show Me as well, I love the, the descending uh, synth chords, which for like a brief moment brings some weird kind of menacing quality to a song which seems to come out of nowhere. It's like, ooh, a bit of drama's in here now. Yeah, and the way that his voice starts to howl and yelp. He's, he's actually, he's got a really great voice. He's got one he hell does. of an instrument because he's, I can see how he wasn't really able to emulate the success of this, partially because I think he set the bar far too high for himself. Mm. But secondly, I can see how you might get a bit, bit sick of this type of thing if you had too much of it it's too rich a broth <laughs> mm. but the way he snarls where are the diamonds where are the curls where are the things that you took from this world is really good <laughs> dramatic sort of or not screaming but you took from this world great yeah one of the only um, well on wikipedia Tim. The only uh, negative review it mentions is uh, a contemporary review by Ken Tucker of the Philadelphia Inquirer, who gave it one star, called it pretty dance music, light on the beat and heavy on the sort of maundering crooning that the effete English rock musicians frequently mistake for passion. Yeah, well, he's an idiot. He is Ken Tucker. At least is old Kentucky. Is the part of the reason he's so thick. Is that this is it? You can't say that it's light on beat. No, you really Full can't. Beat. It's it's an absolute four to the floor dance floor filler. You could yeah. well, I well I did dance to it just this very afternoon. <laughs> did you? Was that before or after a, a tea? Uh, pre-tea. Um, don't jostle. Had a sort of cooked breakfast dinner. Don't I don't want to set unsettle that. Mm. Um, yeah, I was, would you believe, attempting to win favour with a difficult child. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst also listening to ABC. I wanted to do both. And so was needed to fuse the two things. So you stuck a sausage in between two hash browns and fed it to your daughter? She wasn't involved in the breakfast thing. That, that was, oh, okay. was post-baby gone to bedtime. That's <laughs> strictly my time. You can't eat a sausage for babies in bed. No. And um, that's a rule that I live by. Mm. Yeah, so show me then gives way to I just I've already said, yeah, just absolute stormer of a song in Poison Arrow. It is. And what I think one of the things that I really love about Poison Arrow, and it's a showy and obvious thing to say, 
but I think the the cunning deployment of the falsetto mm. is is a lovely thing. I mean, again, you overuse it, it sounds awful, <laughs> but used dropped hither and thither throughout the album, particularly on Poison Arrow, it works great. <laughs> yeah, you know, you've got it. <laughs> Yeah, I used to be able to sing along to that bit. Now, not so much. Now, the throat has gotten wi- withered, and yeah, I mean the ravages of age will will prevent that. Yes. But um... it's it's the first time listening to it. I've noticed the heavy use of bongos in the song. Oh yes, there's bongos in there, and it's what? unfortunately I'm not a big bongos fan. And now I've heard it and picked it up in the mix, I can't unhear it. All right. Well, where where are the bongos in Poison Arrow? Because I, I well, I frankly I want to hear this song spoiled for me. <laughs> Roughly, where is it? I can't remember where. Mm. Bing. Obviously, it has to keep going. Yeah, no, but what an intro. Oh yeah. Then you ah. have that, that haunting saxophone. Yeah. He's on a rooftop somewhere. Well, there's, I tell you, you think he's in a rooftop? It's, I think he's in a tunnel, and there's definitely steam. Oh yeah, st- yeah, steam's a given. Lot steam is it? It's an absolute given. There's Brad there earning his money. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. He is moving his head like that, sort of side to side with a grin, and the bass is very high up on his body. <laughs> right combination. That's great, isn't it? <laughs> you did. I can't hear any bongos though. I mean, all I can hear is a great record. <laughs> a great time. There's bongos in there. Genuinely can't hear bongos. Definitely heard bongos last time I heard it. Dear listener, if you hear bongos in Poison Arrow, please tell me so I don't think I'm going mad. I tell you what, what I really love as well is the there's such a lot of thought I think been put. It could just be over familiarity, but I think the way Poison Arrow ends, and then you hear dum 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 when I accepted this job. <laughs> I was resigned to my fate. Uh, when I got there early, she'd arrive late. But then, but then, he does, he does it like this record. I think he sighs so often in this really mannered way that if you met him, you'd think, Rick. But, but on this record, you go, Yes! Yeah, it, just, it really made makes me laugh when it, it just it finishes from Poison Arrow, which is a masterpiece of a pop song. <laughs> when I accepted this job, <laughs> sounds like the laziest Scott Walker lyric. Well, it sounds like he's gone to work in a post office. <laughs> <laughs> when I accepted this job, I was resigned to my fate. I got there early. She arrived late. You're always working with some bloody joker. <laughs> oh, She'd arrive late. Ah, you can say she's gone forever. And then and later on you get lines like, like the fig is coming back. Well, that's just at the very end of this spoken word bit. You can say she's gone forever or just sit back and wait. You can say I was unprincipled, 
that I was not the first. I'm like a phoenix coming back. And like, and the line where he says the way he delivers the line with the stamp of the drums, which is something like, like a world spinning round on its axis. Ah, uh-huh. I mean, you can, I could hear, what's his name, Coleman from uh, whatever is it from Killing Joke would sing on its axis with a drum like that. On its axis. Admittedly, it would probably be about the, the literal end of the world and not about a bloody woman, but. <laughs> but he would sing about a world spinning around on its axis. That's a good point. I don't, I don't think um, Killing Joke have ever done a love song. No, but the, that he does do that thing where he matches his voice to a drum beat. Hmm. That's happened before. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, happy returns. Many happy returns. These are the lessons I should have learned. And then we have we have more falsetto as well. We go, okay, yeah. I'm sad not blue. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yes, yeah, and Stephen's still on top of the building somewhere with his saxophone. Brad, that thing you're doing, can you do more of it forever? <laughs> and then at some point I thought um, the keys towards the end of the song sound very like Bob James. Sort of soundtrack to like the theme tune to Taxi. Oh, okay. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with the source material, but a bit of Bob James thrown in. Bob James. Uh, yeah, again, this one sounds very chic to me. So it, it's, it's definitely got that. They must have been listening to a lot of chic and Killing Joke, obviously. And Killing Joke, obviously. Yeah. Power, power couple. <laughs> Jazz and Nile. Asteroid. <laughs> oh, that would be great. <laughs> Asteroid. <laughs> yeah, but that instead of that that Strings. incredible bit, it's just bass. <laughs> and then sweeping strings. Asteroid. Asteroid. Requiem. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you call fry. <laughs> Martin Fry reinvigorates Killing Joke like a lover. (laughs) (laughs) You have to watch that? Yeah. I'd much rather listen to that than Lexicon of Love 3 if he has any ideas of doing that. Well, I think that's the problem in that he presumably got to be a senior veteran artist and thought, what's the most successful thing I've ever done? Yeah, I'll just probably do that again. Also, he yeah. had cancer, hasn't he? Has he? Yeah. You know, mortality comes to us all, and you start thinking, oh, maybe I'll have another roll of the dice. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, one of the interesting things that he has done, he mm-hmm. was the um, singing and lyric- songwriting coach for Hugh Grant in music and lyrics. Oh, no, you mentioned it. I did know that. Yeah, I listened to a, a film, podcast recently a, discussing a, the film. Oh, really? I've not seen the film. I've not. I don't think I need to see the film to know I've the seen, film. I've seen the poster, and that tells me a lot about <laughs> the content. Also, I've seen a number of Hugh Grant's films from the period, and they are broadly the same. Yeah, and also... He's a... one hell of a, a sort of second wind, hasn't he? Oh, God, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I actively seek out the things he's in now, whereas before I was like... 
I'll give Ellen. Okay, a more of this. Yeah, very good. Uh, yeah, which, which which leading Hollywood lady in a romantic shitty comedy with now? A, a leading Hollywood lady that's probably thirty years your junior. Mm. But he's he's incredible now. Like he is. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew he had it in him? <laughs> Who knew that when he you know was in forwarding zone a funeral, he was actually acting. Yeah. Because if you learn anything, it's that he's really quite a surly man. <laughs> oh yes. Tears are not enough. Tears are not enough. This was the first single. What? Uh, Which what I find, yeah, I think that's really strange because, I mean, it's like that. Um, I was telling you, wasn't I? The, I heard a a podcast with Pete Perfides, you know, the music writer who is Catelyn Moran's husband. Oh yeah. He's um, he used to when he was a music journalist. He said he was with Radiohead and various other bands, and said no. Very few bands or record company executives can ever pick out which one will the hit will be, mm. or which one will be the big game-changing single. So they they frequently got it completely wrong. They thought it was going to be this one, and that's that's now. I mean, it's it's not even one of their big, like, unsung hero songs. It's just one of their forgettable songs. Mm. It, it seems to me that Poison Arrow is the single. Well, yeah, Poison Arrow, Look of Love. Yeah, is... yeah, yeah. They are the main singles and the ones you remember. But yeah, I, but I was. The logic of going "Tears Are Not Enough" is which is a good song. Oh, it's a but jam. But yeah, no, interesting choice for your lead single. And he's just looking for the real McCoy, <laughs> which is another archaic phrase which I, I would really like to bring back. That's the real McCoy. <laughs> I remember people still using that when I was a young lad. Do they now, though, Mike? And that's crucial. This is true. Damn Gen Z. <laughs> Looking for the real Mackay. Yeah, I, I thought this one feels a bit less produced than the other songs on the album. There's, it, I think maybe just because there's slightly less going on than some of the other songs in terms of that, how much instrument is being thrown at it. That's a very good observation, yeah. It, I mean, it's a it's a great great track, but I think it's maybe it was used as a single because it's very much about Martin Fry rather than it is the band. Because mm. as you say, the instrumentation is less interesting uh, than the other tracks. Yeah. Oh, I'd forgotten that first line. Tears for souvenirs. <laughs> He does kick in straight away, which I like, with it just blurts into life with the horns. Searching for certainty is very good, isn't it? Mm. Oh, and it's got another bit of um, call and response, which is, again, fun. Blueprint. They say when boy meets girl. <laughs> oh, yes. Girl meets boy. <laughs> which bit do I have to sing, though? I mean, <laughs> whatever, man. <laughs> feel free to feel free. He says, yes, you've shown your feelings and yes, you've shown you're tough. But in a way that implies to me that nobody involved in this entire record is actually tough. <laughs> oh, no, don't be like that. They're, the hard, they're the, one of the fourth hardest bands from Sheffield. <laughs> 
Yes, including Cabaret Voltaire in the Human League and Redacted. (laughs) (laughs) Said things worth believing. Good. Yes, I only got to number 19 in the charts, in the singles charts, I should say. NME voted it the number seven best song of the year. Extraordinary. I can't tell you what made up the rest of that top ten. I don't have that information to hand. And I simply don't have the time. And I just don't know how I could gather that info. Probably Google it, I suppose. Don't want to give it the satisfaction. Oh, no, that's how they get you. (laughs) Yeah, fucking algorithm. Valentine's Day, to me, feels a little bit like Poison Arrow Part 2. Yes. Yes, it is. It's also uh, continuing the post office theme, started in many happy returns. I think Valentine's Day is, other than the singles, it's one of the ones that's most fun to sing along with. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, I'd it's. Say... I was just going to start thing. Um... Valentine's Day is probably my favourite of the album tracks. Yeah. I mean, well, it's that or Show Me. Mm. But I really, I like... When the postman don't call on Valentine's Day. Call on Valentine's Day. Christmas Day. On Christmas Day. The umbrella won't work on a rainy day. day. Don't ask me. I already know. I already know. Do do do. Yeah, I mean you're not right. you beached on the barrier reef. I mean you are sounding slightly like the B-52s again. On the barrier reef. The choice is your uh yeah, this has got where is there are some lyrics I really really like in all of them oh yes and I, I think it's almost the quintessential sort of Arch Martin Fry lyric other than the uh, Fred Astaire bit is school for scandal guess who's enrolled she's <laughs> so laughable oh I love that I noticed that line guess who's enrolled don't ask me. I already know. No. Yeah, I mean, it's another killing joke track, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can it's... imagine Jazz Common blurt. I hope you find a sucker to buy that mink stole. <laughs> Jazz Common singing. And he gave me a pound for the moments I missed. And I got dancing less of all that. Lips I should kiss. I'd be a millionaire. I'd be a Fred Astaire. Uh... Do, 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 I love the strings on it as well. It's got like a proper... Of course you do. You're very human. It's got proper like Bernard Herrmann, old like Hollywood movie style to it. It's just really descending and really hypnotic style. But then it's mixed in with like the proper 80 synth 
programmed synths as well. Yeah, it's another one of those records that sounds absolutely of the 80s, but not mm. in a way that shit. No, it's it's taking the best technological... Yes, absolutely. It sounds like, like an album that's absolutely at the bleeding edge of 1982. Mm. I mean, somebody who's, let's say, his lyric book, well, in his head at least, harks back to the 20s. <laughs> but the what they've, they've made is something that sounds so contemporary for 1982. Yes. Like, it's not one of those records where you could say... Oh, and it absolutely sounds so modern now. No, it doesn't. It sounds like it's from 1982, but in the best way possible. Yeah, absolutely. I I noticed more bongos again in this as well. Didn't hear any bongos. You, you must go back and do a bongo check. I, I've been listening to this record in some detail. I haven't heard so, a, a single we, bongo. As we discussed, and there's so much going on. It's such a rich tapestry. Yes, I know, but I fear that you're being essentially haunted by... <laughs> haunted by bongos. Some Caribbean bong- spectral go- bong- bongo player. Could not get my words out there. You nearly said umbongo then. I did, yes, yes. <laughs> I've just typed into Google. I, fi- I found everyone. Are there bongos on the lexicon of love? It's, you know, shockingly, it doesn't have a just straightforward answer. Weird. There's got to be bongos on here. There'll be bongos. 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 It just says drums. And, it says percussion. David Palmer percussion. Bongos are percussion. Isn't David Palmer the president from 24? Yes. And <laughs> erstwhile bongo player. Yes. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> It's going to be genuinely tough when I come to have to pick my own. You're going to have to. favourite. And, and then you're going to have to shoot the rest in the head. Well, I think what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to impose the, the, the waitress's protocol again, because I simply don't think it's fair. I think you break out the waitress protocol far too often. I think it's absolutely essential. If Poison Arrow and The Look of Love are in contention, then the rest of the album don't get a look in. Well, yeah, I, th- I think it's considered seemly to try and pick a lesser known one. Imagine somebody listening to this that's never heard The Lexicon of Love. Imagine the fucking joy that they're going to have when they slap this on. Oh, envy, yeah. Oh, man, alive. I remember listening to it to the, for the first time and just thinking, because I, I think I bought it ironically um, <laughs> because of, you know... You're so just like, cool. Yeah, just really like 80s cheese, you know? Yeah, I, I used to call things cheese. <laughs> There's two pounds from Oxfam, yeah? Oh, it's no. a bargain. In fairness, I bought this for two pounds from Oxfam when I already knew that it was an absolute jam. <laughs> That was just, I was just delighted that it cost two quid because it, again, that's that's a lot of great tracks for two quid. I would spend a bit more than that to buy it on vinyl. Yes, but if that's the price they're asking, I'm not, I'm not. Okay, I simply insist of five pounds. Well, it is a charity you could do. Yeah, it is, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> Oxfam Mike, they'll be spending it all on sex. Sex and war. They fucking love it, Oxfam. 
I don't know for certain if they do love that at Oxfam. Please I'm sure so. they. I'm absolutely convinced they've cleaned house from all of the unsettling revelations from a couple of years ago. I'm absolutely convinced they have, and they remain absolutely beyond reproach. Still, two quid. Two quid. Good. So pray silence for the saxophone once more. It takes us into the look of love, part one. <laughs> Always nice to hear a song begin with whoa, isn't it? Whoa, whoa. I mean, it's it's a bit more welcoming than oh no, like Dio was last time. Look out! Look out! (laughs) Oh no, here he comes again. It's joyous. It's fabulous. It, It to me, it sounds like everything the album is about. Lyrically, vocally, musically, yeah. it all com- converges on this one song. And the, you know, the the delicious sort of sense of, well, archness, because it's an incredibly arch record. But that culminates in the spoken word passage in the beginning, where he says, "And all my friends, they might ask me. They say, Martin, do you think maybe one day you'll find true love?" Pause. I sigh. <laughs> It's so great. It's up there with when Phil Oakey in Love Action says, and this is Phil talking. You've got <laughs> this is Phil talking. i got to tell you. Um, somebody from Sheffield uh, referencing their own quite ordinary name, Phil Martin, and in a way that's really dramatic and, and silly. But it's such a lot of, it's such great fun. I sigh. There must be a solution to the one thing, to the one thing. Sisters and brothers. Oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Should help each other. Ooh, yeah, heavens but... above. <laughs> <laughs> heavens above. Hip yeah. Yeah, I, lo- I love how his, his voice just goes batshit by the end of it. Yeah, it's full histrionics. Yeah. Hip, hip, That's the look, that's the look. Be look lucky in love. love. Look up, love. love. <laughs> Massive t- credits on the screen. Look of love. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is what, because it, it, it is that full blown, it comes into life, and then by the end, it's just on top of a mountain. Yeah, fire, lightning, fun. and yeah, it's just yeah, it's going completely off the rails in the most perfect way. I was thinking as well, this one sounds the same way. Tears are not enough sounded a bit underproduced as the rest of it. I think Look of Love sounds like it's had that last uh, extra little bit of polish to it. As oh, well, yeah. they, they knew they like, were going to put it out as a single. Before so they, he like sent it the master off, he was there you know, with his handkerchief and a bit of spit, just dabbing that speck of dirt off the corner of it. It's immaculate. Yeah. And and immaculately silly. Mm. I mean... Yeah. The drums are so big on it as well, which I never even noticed before. They're enormous. Yeah. It's it's such a busy little song as well. When it starts off, there's just so much... you got to... bow, 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 bow. It was always my favourite of the uh, the Poison Arrow Look of Love double. Mm. I always thought this was was the greater of the two. I, and I really like Poison Arrow, but I think that that 
how much I like Poison Arrow tells you just how much I think The Look of Love <laughs> is a, a masterpiece of a single. Oh, it's incredible. I, I still slightly prefer Poison Arrow because I think it's just such a silly ride. I, do, I, en- you I enjoy this. You say that, Mike, but at no point in Poison Arrow does he yell, Heavens above! Is it, that's, this is true. <laughs> Heavens above? Goodness me! (laughs) (laughs) Hell's bells, Margaret! (laughs) Heavens to Betsy! It's a good album title. It's fabulous. It's fabulous. It is a bit of a shame that the song, or the album now, drops in quality a bit. It does. Look, I mean, the only last thing I was going to say on "Look of Love" is I was surprised, surprised, Adam, to see surprised it only got as, as high as number four in the UK charts. So it didn't even get to number one. How how did this song not get to number one? Well, what beat it? When when beat. was it released? That's um, worth finding out because it might have been one of those. No. Well, one of those really weird weeks where you know just. When Incredible beaten, songs were all released. Or, I beat it by Michael Jackson. Well, in Michael Jackson, there you go. I mean, he was in the Ascendant in 1982, right. wasn't it? Right. Seventh May 1982, UK charts. Or was it was it the equivalent of Joe Dolce "Shut Up in Your Face" beating oh, the really by Ultravox? The week that "Look of Love" was at number four. You had at number five "Fantasy Island" by Tight Fit. No idea. No idea. No idea. Uh, and beating Look of Love, you had Torch by Soft Cell. See, I don't even know that. No, I don't know that one. Uh, number I mean, I, one. I know exactly what it hears, what it sounds like, because it's by Soft Cell, but. <laughs> number two, down one spot is House of Fun by Madness. And going up from two to one is Goody Two Shoes by Adamant. Oh, come on, people. This is, so much, this is so much better than Goody Two Shoes. Don't get me wrong. If it was up against, say, well, Stand and Deliver, for example, that, that's a tough battle for me. I don't know who, what, what side I'd fall down on. But Goody Two Shoes? Rubbish. The number of the beast was number 18 that week. You had I Want Candy at number 14. Jesus, what a chart. Uh, but the Back of Love by Echo and the Bunnymen at 24. Sushi the Banshees at 25. You've done it again there. You've said The Bunnymen. The Bunnymen? What? <laughs> it's, just, it's something you do, and it, it really amuses me, and I'm going to start doing it myself. <laughs> you never say men. You always say men. <laughs> Echo, Echo and the Bunnymen. <laughs> I am Echo, and these are my Bunnymen. <laughs> Evelyn Powell. <laughs> Echo. Bunnyman. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, the, one of the only problems of Look of Love is it's one of those songs that tends to get used on a lot of adverts as well, meaning it's become slightly ubiquitous at this point. And yeah. Which I find when songs are used in that way and they appear so much on like media and stuff, uh, it, they can use their... You know, shine a little bit. Yeah, the rebel rebel effect. Look, I'm, yeah, I agree with most you. Of Queen's but I think yes, of course. But I have more sympathy for ABC doing it than Queen. Oh yeah, this is 
I would imagine the only one of their records that still makes them any money. Oh god, yeah, yeah. And so you you cannot begrudge them paying a, off a bit more of the mortgage. Yeah. Because presumably, I don't know if they I don't think they will have saved a lot of their lexicon of love money because presumably they thought the good times were going to last forever. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be this big forever. Oh, oh god. <laughs> Starting up the old band is it, lads? Yeah. Going to kit in the garage. Gonna gonna join gonna start a vice versa again, are we fellas? Yeah, looks like it. <laughs> We're gonna do a, a joint tour with Cabaret Voltaire, Human League, and that, that other one. You know the one. You know the one. Mum's a word. The trouble I find with when the look of love ends is if this was apart from all of my heart, but with date stamped and forever together. Mm. I, if you were to play the record for me now, I'd probably be able to sing along with most of it. But I can't tell you how it goes unless it's played. No. Yeah, it's. I can remember the first six tracks on this album. Oh, almost note for note. Yeah. Titles, note for note. Yeah. From date stamp onwards, I'm like, what's that song called again? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, date what, stamp's the first song I, I can okay take or leave on the album. All of my heart, mm-hmm. but um, date stamp in particular, I, I'm actually just going to hit play on it. <laughs> do 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 do. Oh yeah, well that's why it, it's not as good as all the others. <laughs> Not as rich sounding. No, but there is a moment now when, again, all the instrumentation comes in that's quite good. There it is. <laughs> and I, I do, I've just heard the the cash register noise is very good. <laughs> so he's back to the post office again to get his date stamped. Yeah, a lot of, lot of songs about post. Hmm. Well, presumably, if you're, if you're, you have that many romantic entanglements, it's going to involve a lot of admin, a lot of forms to be filled in, a lot of, lot. I hope he's kept a spreadsheet. A lot of erotic poetry to be sent off to the far corners of the UK. I do think the saxophone on this, on his lofty perch, does sound a bit Bowie-esque. When Bowie would have an occasional part. When you mean, him and his saxophone were on good terms. When yeah, when they hadn't fallen out. Yeah, when they were speaking. This is the one that says uh, "mix and match and melt in my mouth," isn't it? Let me and look at genius. And I believe it's got the the female vocalist. It all seems the same. Love is no guarantee unless I'm dancing. That's this one, isn't it? Promise yes, I'm dating. Then I'll fade away. Uh, or something. I'm not quite of, um, I don't know if I've got those lyrics right. <laughs> speaking of a female vocalist, uh, did read the trivia of, uh, in um, Look of Love um, when the, you hear the woman say, Goodbye. That was actually. Uh, Martin Fry's girlfriend, who'd broken up with him, and was the uh, the catalyst for the song. Oh. I hope she got a flat fee and not a royalty. That'd be real. 
A real stick in the craw, wouldn't it? Yeah, you're forever tied to your ex. Uh, yeah, date stamp. It's 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 fine. So, yeah, just a bit flat, I think, compared to the rest of the album. Yeah, it doesn't soar as much, no. does it? If it was, if it was on a different album, there's a there's a strong possibility it might be one of the more memorable songs. But the the first six comparison. are so immense. Mm. Uh, is Monsieur? Is sorry, is Monsieur a connoisseur or just shortchanged? Off the rack or custom fit, it all seems the same. Love has no guarantee. Oh, it's date stamped. I always thought it was dancing. Yes, I'm date stamped. Yes, I'm dancing. Should I prefer be date stamped, yeah. I much prefer mine. Should be date stamped. Oh, that's... I really liked the lines. Uh... You know, credit where it's due. Everything is temporary. Written on that sand is a mm. good line, and then it's followed up by looking for the girl that meets supply with demand. <laughs> <laughs> it's silly, <laughs> but it's silly in a different way to Dio. Yes, it's a different kind. It's of a silly. different flavor of silly. Um, I tell you what, though, what a that's a spectacular run of form listening to Heaven and Hell and then this, wasn't it? What a, what a really oh, yeah. what a lot of fun it's been listening to these. <laughs> what did we do before? Oh, we did Doom, yeah, that was it. Yeah, didn't we? <laughs> Sorry. Although I was delighted to hear that our, our guest stars then listened, went back and listened to it. He seems to enjoy he enjoyed, it. Folks. He enjoyed himself so much that he actually decided to go and listen to our back cast. <laughs> Uh, all of my heart. So you say you like again. I can I can take or leave all of my heart. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's more. Where, whereas the rest of the album is bombastic, this one's a bit more middle of the road. No, it's very middle of the road. It's. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. It, it's very middle of the road. Yeah, and this was released as a single. This got to number five in the UK charts. So apparently, oh, I thought it's... this one was released as a single because this is one that's got a video, and I don't know if you've watched the videos. No, they're not I, good. I, they're no, not I remember, good. I remember the one to Poison Arrow, but I, I forgot to actually go and actively watch them. Can I suggest you watch the one to uh, The Look of Love? Mm. Because it's. Uh, but you can sort of see what they do, what they what they're shooting for. But they've done it on a budget of sixpence, and, ah. and it's not it's not good. Uh, I think Trevor Horn's in the background at one point, just giving a wink to camera. Oh, good to see Trevor. Yeah, always a pleasure, particularly when he because he's done such excellent work on this. I need to listen to Welcome to the Pleasure Dome again. Great album. Well. I remember it being a great album, but it's been years, and I'd like to com- basically compare compare the, the sort of production of it because if it's mm. if it's if it's as well made as this is, then God, there must be riches there that I simply don't remember. Oh yeah, the title track is a ten minute just century overload, and he also did a uh, Grace Jones slave to the rhythm. One with Stephen Burkhoff doing guest vocals. 
Yeah, All of My Heart is... Uh, it's a perfectly nice song. But it is it a is. bit... It's, I think the problem is that it's a straightforward sort of love song. Mm. And it's not... Uh, it doesn't thrill me in the way that the rest of the record does. Thrill you like Simply Red's Thrill Me? Well, thrill I mean, me. In fairness, he's only human, Mike. He can't thrill me in the way that Simply Red thrill you all I mean, the time. It would be criminal, but it took nearly 10 years for the next great romance album with Simply Red Stars to be made. Yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be really disappointing for people when you inevitably pick one of Simply Red's lesser-known albums, isn't it? Love and uh, the Russian Winter. Yeah, of course. You know, full of floor fillers. Rather than the galaxy world-beating conquering album stars. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picking Blue. Let's go with the one that not even the connoisseurs like. Big love? Just pick stars. <laughs> Can I pick... Uh, just own... pick stars. A new flame, the one just before just stars pick, that's got the bangers pick, on it? Just pick stars. Stars is the one that people have. Stars is the one that people want. Just pick stars. But, I can't have this new... conversation with you anymore. Just pick stars. But a new flame's got the fan favourites on it. Who, who, the real, you know... Yeah. Just... I'll, I'll pick stars. <laughs> just pick... Mate. Just pick fucking stars. I'm not going to pick it. I don't really like Simply Red that much. But you are a... I didn't pick... Well, How to Be a Zillionaire, which is one of ABC's follow-up albums. I didn't pick that. Yes, I've never heard it. No, I'm I'm never going to, probably. But I pick the one that people like. Just pick the one that they like. (laughs) I'll do a bonus episode on my own. (laughs) Yeah, a bonus episode on your own that's 10 hours long as you do the whole Simply Red discography <laughs> except stars. I've already done it, apparently. Just pick stars. Oh, might do that for my birthday. A treat for everyone. What, stars? or? <laughs> yeah, no, just, uh, just the Simply Red discography. I mean, me, me talking about it in front of a fire. <laughs> I was going to say, can, can I come? I, I won't contribute, obviously. I don't know. To observe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just do it as a live stream and I'll just buy a ticket. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Michael alone at Alexandra Palace. Work for Nick Cave. It did. There are a couple of differences between you and Nick Cave. Obviously, I don't want to hear them. <laughs> obviously, the chief one is that he's Australian. <laughs> you got me there. You got me there. I can't help. I can't help that, though, Adam. You can't help the way you were born. No. Racist. Yeah, so I think we're agreed, All of My Heart. It's a, it's a lovely yeah. song that unfortunately doesn't no. soar. And then, the, well, the, the final track proper, uh, I think sounds very much like a, an album we've already discussed, which was Merlion. To, to me, Forever Together sounds a little bit like he knows. Yeah, no! Oh, God, it does. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, God no, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's like they said to Barry, "Do you want to really, really go to town on the bass?" Mm. Uh, it's, it's... Um... 
it's near gothic sounding because it is but with um gothic gothicism with the funk turned up to 11 oh yeah it's funk some would say unnecessarily <laughs> yes it's lush and distant sounding it's yes yeah, terribly theatrical but yeah, yeah the it's whole probably... album is lush and theatrical though, isn't oh, it? Yeah, those, are, those are the yeah. key sorts of adjectives but yeah it's certainly the darker sounding moodier song in the album yeah 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 they are yeah i think it's still it's i think it's better than the previous two tracks to it but uh yeah, I'd be lying if I said I could always quite remember how it goes. Uh, well, I just had to play the intro to it. And I, I don't have to do that, like you say, for the first six. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've just got these last three songs. And I do I do think count these as the last three, really. I know that the, the original album has got The Look of Love Part 4, which I don't think is necessary. Yeah, which is just a minute of instrumentation. Yeah, and then you've got the, the remastered one has got the theme from Mantrap, which is basically The Look of Love again, but in a lounge jazz style. Yeah, so what was Mantrap? Was that like a short film they did based around The Look of Love? Part? Yeah, it was. You remember, you've got to remember, Mike, this was the 80s. Um, and every, video. and everybody thought that they were going to be a multimedia proposition because they could be, and not all of them should have been. No. Uh, and yeah, so yeah, there was a film called a, a short film called Man Trap. Man Trap. Um, if I had to guess, I would say that the Man Trap refers to a woman, a woman. and not like an enormous plant in a okay. science fiction sort of way or contraption. Or indeed a contraption. It's a man trap. I haven't watched Man Trap. I haven't wanted to watch Man Trap. I'm not going to watch Man Trap. I've had a touch of the Man Traps. You've <laughs> that's cleared up. Okay, so I am going to ask you that question, which you don't want to hear or answer. But what is... Well, that's your... very much your thing, isn't it, Mike? You ask the hard questions. <laughs> I do. I ask those <laughs> pissing questions. I had to turn down that fucking job on Radio 4. Yeah, this Frost Nixon sort of clash of heavyweights that we put together every couple of weeks. You ask the hard questions. And I ask you whether or not you fornicated last night immediately before we record. But unfortunately, <laughs> I do it every week, so it stops being effective. <laughs> you sit there and go, yes, no or no, as the case may be. <laughs> Usually no. And then you just, it's balls to the wall, hard questions. <laughs> if I do it, it's not illegal. So, what is your favourite track on The Lexicon of Love by ABC? Adam. Allowing the waitresses protocol? Try without. Okay, without, then it's the look of love. Interesting. And if I were, in theory, to allow the waitress's protocol... Then I would say that it's a toss-up between Valentine's Day and Show Me, with Show Me probably pipping it slightly. Pipped at the pop. Pipped at the post. I would say that Show Me is the toppermost of the poppermost. What about yourself? First of all, uh, with and then without. Poison arrow, poison arrow, poison arrow. Yeah. What about if I don't allow poison arrow? 
No, that's not part of the... the well, the no, camp. it is, because no. the waitress's protocol removes it from contention. It's then a given. No, I just, I want it. When, and you may have it. I, d- because I, don't, I it, don't want the waitress protocol. That's the, but that's the beauty of the waitress's protocol, because it gives you those anyway. They're bonuses. I, I don't want too many oh, choices. Just say that it's Valentine's Day. You as good as admitted <laughs> it. <laughs> no, I'm not playing your game. Dance to my tune. <laughs> no, I refuse. Dance for me. Poison arrow. Ah, uh, poison arrow is great. It is fucking great. Yeah. I mean, it's no, it's, there's no surprises. Yeah, are we keeping it on at the party? Of course we fucking are. It's the next Show some fucking respect. <laughs> if anything, we'll be playing it first and then again later on. It will get a couple of plays. Yeah. What? What? Is there I mean, any song point, when T for the Tillerman is on? You'll just see people. Creeping up to the turntable, clutching a copy of ABC's finest album, going, Is there any. When when Father and Son's finished, could we just pop this back on? Because it's brilliant. The word masterpiece is thrown away, but I think this is absolutely. Yeah, but it's completely and utterly a masterpiece. It's a brilliant record. It is. And I must stress again, everyone, do not listen to The Lexicon of Love 2. And like I said to you the other day, though, if you only released this album, you're you're fine. You're done. Okay. Your your place in the pantheon is assured. You don't. Yeah, I can see you, why. You, thank you for your service. Yeah, I can see why you'd be frustrated that mm. nobody was ever as interested in anything else you did. But that's, it's quite a nice problem to have if you've recorded an album that means so much to people. But it's it's true because I have. No inclination to go off and listen to any of their other albums as much as I like this album. I think, like we mentioned before, that you know, sometimes you're scared if you like one album by a band so much, you're almost like, I don't really want to explore the rest of the catalogue because it yeah. might temper how I feel about this album. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that protocol with ABC these are probably, and... yeah, well, I mean, I'd probably then name that the ABC protocol mm. because it's. I've I have heard other bits and pieces, and none of it's as good. Mm. It's fine. I mean, when Smokey sings is is a bit of fun, but it's not. It's nowhere near as good. It just isn't. And but again, if you have made the lexicon of love, if you've covered the entirety of one human emotion, <laughs> so presumably the follow up, the pantheon of pain. Was never going to be. <laughs> well, that's a game I wish I'd have invented earlier. <laughs> the roller decks of ridicule. <laughs> Trevor, I've got another great idea for an album. <laughs> With my follow-up album, A Cavalcade of Cunts. <laughs> <laughs> That's better than what I was going to say, which is mandated menstruation. Should we do the lexicon first, Martin? Uh, Let's do that for now, shall we, Martin? I mean, it's just that the band's called ABC, Trevor, so I thought we'd start at A. (laughs) Just work our way through. It's quite a long way to L, though, isn't it? Arbitrary arseholes just, just doesn't really... It's not great 
You know, laying out the table, is it? <laughs> no, perhaps you're right. Uh, do you not find that after C is so strong that your your dictionary of dilettantes is never going to go? It's always <laughs> going to look a bit weak. <laughs> Right. Any any tracks you would potentially leave off at all? You don't have to. Yeah, you think mantra. I mean, if you, I understand why you would end it with the look of love part four. You know, the little instrumental bit. But I think the theme from mantra is completely superfluous, and if anything, spoils the mood. Well, yeah, but it wasn't on the original version. No, but it is on the it's on the remaster. Mm. I think if I was just going to leave one off that's on the original original album, I'd probably just leave off all of my heart. Yeah, me too. It's 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 lovely enough, hmm. but it doesn't have the right vibe. No, it's it just sits there. It's yeah. So another successful party. Good pick, Adam. I told you, you've been sniffy about some of my picks, but you've bloody enjoyed most of them. I have, and you've oh. been you've been more uh, adventurous in wanting to listen to some of my picks, and you've been found wanting. Well, I would say that I've been scrupulously polite about your picks. You have. You really have. Um, I've, in, I've, I've enjoyed listening to all of them, but the difference is that I've also enjoyed saying goodbye to them. Um, Doom was Doom was an, an education, but it's, I, don't, I don't think that album's for me. Not in the way that ABC is. No. Where are the diamonds? Where are the pearls? Right. Well, so we should we spin that wheel and see what spin we're bringing next that time. God damn wheel! Away! Oh, that's a new noise. What does that mean? What? What? <laughs> what? I just I've been handed a scroll here. What does it, what does it say? What? You know, the methods of communication around this party are very arcane and mysterious. Yes, and they, they seem to change from week to week. What are you doing? So, oh, this is the first. So we have our very first listener request, Adam. Well, first of all, who's the listener? It's it's friend of the show, Jack Burton. Who we famed, would just like to... Famed son of a bitch, Jack Burton. we just like to say we've never actually had a drink or met Jack in person. But thank you very much for commenting on the show, Jack. And... Jack would like to know our thoughts on. Oh man, Jack, I've got to tell you, as as Mike has said, we've never met, but we were we were talking the other night, going, "Oh man, God, God, we like the cut of your jib, Jack." <laughs> God, yeah, you seem like a good a good guy, a, a right thinking good egg. He'd like us to uh, listen and have a chat about. Lou Reed Metallica's Lulu. Well, I've never heard that, but I imagine it's an easy listening sort of job. And I bet it's as I bet it's as boisterous and, and happy as ABC, is it? You're gonna be very disappointed if you think that. <laughs> now I'm interested to talk about this album because it's a hugely maligned album, but I genuinely really like it. Um, oh cool. And I've been accused of being a contrarian with that opinion once or twice. I was like, fuck you, I actually like so, just because other people don't. But yes, we will go into I mean, more there is, there is a part of, of, being a contrarian is a part of both of our 
personalities, man. So <laughs> not in this case. No not in I'm this sure case. in this case it's it's a good one. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to give. I've not properly listened to it for a little while, so I look forward to having a reason to do that. So thank you for your pick, Jack, and we'll be bringing that to the next party. Uh, yeah, I think that wraps it up for now. So. Yeah, just doing a little plug at the end. If you are enjoying our ramblings and wish to join the party, then feel free to comment on uh, our Twitter, which is Party Listen. Facebook, we're at Listen Party Pod. You can email us at listenpartypod at gmail. And we're on Instagram for some reason. Um, feel free yeah, to pick uh, records if you want us to listen to. Yeah, if you want to get involved in the party, yeah, pick a, pick a record and we'll put it in a, the to-do list and get around I'm to I'm going to stress again. We've never met Jack. Never met Jack. So it's, it's quite a novelty to have a all of our All of our guests are people that we went to university with. Yeah, sure. That's true. But to the best of our knowledge, we didn't go to university with anybody called Jack. I'm sure there were Jacks abound, but we, we didn't know one. No, no, we're not part of the set. Um, yeah, and if, if you are enjoying the party, then uh, please do like and subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could leave us a, a lovely review, that would be very welcome. We're not greedy. Three or above. Yeah, three or above. Good, yeah. I mean, let's be fair. By this point, they've either fucked off or... <laughs> you, listen, you listened to Rush, didn't you, to get a vibe and you fucked off. No, not for me. It's a banger, though, that album. Eh. Anyway. That's probably the only one of my picks that you've been a bit... Eh, about. Yeah, I've remained unmoved. You've really got on board with the others. Yeah, for the most part, I'd say, yeah. Yes, yeah, especially Marillion. <laughs> yeah, well, Marillion was the one that was an actual shock to you. <laughs> it was, it genuinely was, yeah. Fuck, I'm, I'm <laughs> shocked how much I'm enjoying this album. <laughs> you really didn't see that coming. I really did. I, I, what the I, fuck is this? This is was. great. <laughs> anyway, right, we've covered really and we're going back over all ground. So next time when we are covering Lou Reed and Metallica's Lulu, we will see you next time at the party, folks. Yeah, bye. Yeah. Bye, yeah, whatever. <laughs>